0: A brand new episode of the Timeless Lord Podcast. I'm your co-host Adam. And I'm your co-host Dushin. And joining us is a returning guest from season one, Senin. Hello. So we've got three brand new topics to discuss today, and I hope you enjoy it. But before we start, we have a requested song by a recurring fan, Salsa Boy, New Magic Wand.
1: Sometimes you gotta close the door to open a window.
0: Under oath, I pick a side, and if you don't, I pick you both. It's not a joke, my wish you wrote.
1: And that was New Magic Wand by Tyler the Creator. And that song is actually from a concept album and that is th- my topic of the day and our first topic of the day So, as I said just there, today I'll be discussing concept albums Now, you may be wondering what a concept album is as it's not really a regularly used term but a concept album is a musical um, album that has um, a reoccurring theme, narrative whether that be a story in the lyrics or music videos or whether it be a musical, a musical theme. So um, that song we just played, New Magic Wand, comes from Tyler the Creator's concept album, uh, Igor, which follows the story of Igor, um, which is basically one of Tyler the Creator's personalities, in which he plays uh, a part in a love triangle, where his lover is in love with someone else. And as time goes on, he begun, you know begins to resent this lover until he begins to resent both of them. But then the album comes full circle with the last song, Can We Still Be Friends? with Tyler asking his lover, can they still be friends? And then the first song, it starts again, they're friends, but he has feelings for this person. And it's a cycle, both musically and lyrically and it's a story with uh, the album as it goes along It gets more angry, and more edgy as you can. It reflects Igor's or anger that um, he's not the center of attention. So, what do you think of this just right off the bat?
0: I mean, um, I think it's a really good perception of like um, the like the psychology of this type of person where. You know they're always going to develop feelings again and again, and the person won't ever want to cut them out, uh, in fear of like breaking them because they're clearly not stable. So that's the cycle, you know. You know, Igor uh, basically starts stalking and disturbing this person, and then uh, uh, at the end he like realizes his mistakes and he says, "Can we be friends?" And she says, "Sure." They spend a bit of time together, and he develops his feelings again. So I think the cycles is a really creative idea, but I think it re- represents the, the mind of this person, like the mind of an Igor. You know? Yeah.
2: So would you say, like, it's... Igor is talking as if he's, in a way, a villain?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not a villain, but he feels betrayed by this person.
0: He's He's acting a victim.
1: And he's acting a victim. And there's uh. a cycle of self-pity, anger and forgiveness which it's a cycle both musically in in terms of the music as uh the last chord played on the last song of the album can we still be friends is an unfinished chord but that basically means that the song doesn't sound complete but then the first song of the album has the chord that finishes the song completing a cycle both musically and lyrically Uh. now other concept albums which we've even discussed on the channel before is The Gorillaz have, pretty much all of their albums are uh, a concept album in some way. Whether it be their 2017 album, Humans was a concept in the fact that the music was supposed to be uh, played at a club, which was at the end of the world, which was symbolizing the end of the world. And this coincided with the fact that Donald Trump had been elected (laughs) president of the United States. And this was supposed to be... Although the songs don't tell a story, that's the feel, all, all the feel of the songs are supposed to be a high-rise apartment in like Brooklyn. And they have a lot of collaborators from this area. And it, that's a concept album. And also their new album, Cracker Island, is a concept album in the fact that it follows a story in its music videos and its, and its um, lyrics. Now, other famous um, concept albums, Include some of the seventies and sixties very famous rock operas, so there's uh, the Who's um, Quadrophenia and the Who's Tommy, which were very famous and were adapted into movies.
0: I think um, it's a really the what the concept albums make well of is kind of like you can see with Cracker Island, Humans, and Igor, they're all kind of jabbing at um, certain types of people like cracker island's jabbing at rich cults um humans well not really donald trump but it's representing the end of the world you know it's kind of telling it's kind of telling us a dark story but you know it it might not come across that if you actually listen to the music yeah
1: yeah um now one of the most famous concept albums is *The Wall* by Pink Floyd, which follows a loose story of um, a man, a rock star named Pink, who's grown tired of life because he has no true friends. And in this earlier, in the earlier songs of the album, he recounts how the teachers were always mean to him, his friends were always mean to him, and his mother never let him go. And basically, although those may seem like a lot of people have that experience it really shapes the later half of the album where the lyrics show severe signs of depression as if there's a war going on inside his head. And he feels just so depressed that he builds this wall around himself, a wall that lets nobody in. And that's a darker concept album.
2: So would this be a common thing, like concept albums as a whole, would they be a common sight within music?
1: No. They, there was a trend of a string of something called rock operas, which were told a very distinct story in, in the form of psychedelic rock. And that was uh, by bands like The Who, Big Floyd, and a few other bands. But no, it wasn't really common at all. There's only a handful of albums that come to mind. And, like, look at modern day. I would say Igor is probably one of the newest concept albums that I mm-hmm. know of. Now another band that do some concept albums are uh, Australia's uh, relatively new band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard the kind of kings of psychedelic rock in the modern day and yeah this band with seven members is probably the most diverse expanse of music you'd ever hear they're concept albums which range from a western concept album which is just the story it's not, there's no lyrics, it's just a spoken word, the story of a Western. There are like, a, something like out of Dungeons and Dragons, there's the Murder of the Universe, which they did, which is three albums, which um, basically tells the story of the murder of the universe in more kind of psychedelic terms. And their music itself ranges from kind of pop jazz to heavy metal and everything in between. Now, that would be probably, the only band that actually regularly does concept albums, as they're famous for releasing multiple albums per year very fast. Um, Now, as you mentioned earlier, no, there isn't really many concept albums still around, but um, another one that maybe comes to note uh, is The Black Parade, or Welcome to the Black Parade, by um, I Chemical Romance, which they were a pretty mainstream band back in the 2000s. And as I doubt many people know this, but the album actually has a story of a person dying and making his way through the underworld,
0: Hmm.
1: which is interesting.
0: I think a... I suppose you could see it as a marketing decision in a way that people want to hear the story, so obviously they have to listen to the music. Like, they have to listen to the music more. But also, they have to think about the music more. I and mean, that sounds bad after that, but for example, they might have to listen to the music multiple times. So I think it's really good for streams. And it's really good for your popularity for yeah. it to release a concept album. Yeah. And, you know, it, a lot of people vent their emotions to their music, so it can be a good way to tell a story. Um, and to gain popularity, I, there's nothing, like, f- from what it seems, it's one of the best albums you can make. Only thing is you have to be artic- You have to be able to write a good and articulate a good story. Yeah. Which not everyone can do.
1: And it's not only just the fact that it's just a story, being but, like, some concept albums are just a common theme in music. All the songs in the same key use similar instruments. All the songs might sound like they're, I don't know, on the beach. And obviously the lyrics have an undertone and even songs in general nowadays are just very shallow. Like Mm -hmm. an example that comes to mind is a few years ago, a song by an artist called Camila Cabello, Bam Bam. This song is very shallow. The lyrics
0: are nonsensical.
2: You could say there's a deeper meaning to it, that she,
0: it's a person she once loved. When when she she says Bam Bam, I think it represents her love exploding (laughs) for this person. (laughs) it's a very simple song and, the and everything the spanish head <laughs> represents her to cuban dies and e-
1: everything is just shoved on a platter too. but let's just say um if you're to listen to a more psychedelic song a song with strange almost poetic lyrics it makes you really really think what is this song about mm. is this song what's the
2: deeper meaning the
1: it makes deeper you think
0: me- about the music
1: and this is maybe what concept albums do just on a wider expanse
0: i think there are two sides to music and i think there's a music where you sit and listen and pay attention to the music for example a concept album and i think there's other types of music when when a mother is in the car uh, and just dropping her kids to school and sometimes she just wants to hear some (laughs) auto-tune fast lyrics yeah so there's different places for it it's like but the concept album is definitely not music I mean, people might not enjoy it as much purely because they have to think about it. Yeah. You know, like, you don't think about Bam Bam. You, A lot of people just like the, the sound of her voice, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, half, the DJ, it, like kind of half the people don't know what the Spanish means and Bam Bam isn't a real word, so... <laughs> yeah. You know, 50% of it, people don't understand, but they just, it's still one It's of music the most popular you don't
2: songs. have to understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't test your mind. It's just there.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Adam, for this discussion of concept albums. Yeah, now coming up next we have Mr. Brightside
1: by the Killers.
0: Was Mr. Brightside by the Killers.
1: Now, coming up for our second topic, we have our historical topic for today, and we're gonna have our very special guest, Senin, talking about the Battle of Stalingrad.
2: Thanks, Adam. So, I thought I'd start with just a little bit of background information. So, the Battle of Stalingrad was fought in Stalingrad, in Russia from 1940 to 1943, during World War II. It was the bloodiest battle of World War II, statistically, and they don't even know exactly how many died. So, World War II, it, um, a big factor, really, in why Hitler's plan was working was that he signed an anti-aggression pact with Stalin raging ranging 10 years into the future
0: yeah I think it makes sense that this battle was so bloody you know you hear about why Hitler lost um he sent him to Russia and Stalin basically threw every man he had you know they're yep. raging into the battle with literal sticks something like just, 20
2: million citizens
0: just jumping yeah. jumping the Germans the you know.
2: the lack quantity of quantity
0: over quality value
2: for life was yeah. astounding
0: yeah
2: but uh so Hitler broke this pack, when it looked like defeat for the Allies was certain. He, against his advisor's rules, well, not rules, but suggestions, he stormed into Russia through Poland, which he had already conquered. And see, the thing with this was that Russian winter was already setting in. And this was the factor that destroyed the British see Hitler's advisors told him to wait until the following spring, yeah. but the Germans just weren't equipped for the winter.
1: They were mad with power.
2: They just they were destroyed, and Stalin's troops like they still Germany still moved very far into Russia. They were advancing on Moscow, but Stalin's troops, basically, as they retreated, they would burn every crop, destroy the train lines, basically make it impossible. Uh, to, like, move easily for the Germans.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, he, like, Hitler was kind of mad with power at that point. Like, he was king of the world. And, um, yeah. well, not literally, but basically. And, you know, Russia had a special ops for their army, trained in uh, treacherous winter conditions. And he just charged in. All his horses were dying while Stalin threw, like... Just men Sniperies. with coats and sticks, yes. and, yeah. you know. I think uh, the phrase "he got too
1: big for his boots" is fitting here. That, like he'd done, he'd achieved so much in a few short years that he believed that he was unstoppable. And in some ways, if he hadn't acted so rashly, he probably would have been more so unstoppable.
2: Well, like the Russians, like they were so short of arms, like you'd have maybe a few lines of men, the ones at the front. Have the guns, and when they die, the ones behind them simply pick up the guns and keep running.
0: Yeah, no, you, you I mean, you hear about Putin now, and um, Br- the British uh, govern. Well, the Britain was
2: nothing compared to Stalin.
0: Yeah, I know, but um, you hear about Russia's lack of value for life. You hear about um, British uh, Russian soldiers have been spotted raiding a Ukrainian concrete base with shovels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how desperate, like that's how willing uh, Russia's soldiers are.
2: It's a a factor of communism, definitely. Yeah. But anyway, so, Stalingrad is a city named after Stalin located on the Volga River, which is the biggest river in Russia. It was very, very important that the Germans cross this because it would have frozen over and they wouldn't have been able to sail across. The ice would have been too thin. Mm. And so, this is another thing of the little value for Russian life. Stalin decided not to evacuate the city of Stalingrad despite an impending German invasion like there were 400,000 citizens in the city and he just said no you'll stay
1: well in some ways if he had given it up it was a very important landmark and especially if they lost control of the river it would be a very easy place for Hitler to defend and if the battle had gone uh, had gone wrong Hitler could be sitting on Stalingrad a defensive position for the rest of the war. Yep. So tell us just, tell us a bit about the numbers in this war.
2: So, well, I'll just run you through, like, the basic plot of it. Yeah. So, the first thing that happened was the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, absolutely decimated the city with bombs. Like, no building was left standing. It was all just rubble and mess. And people actually stopped collecting data after two days because they just couldn't count the bodies. (laughs) Like, they were literally falling over bodies everywhere.
0: It's it's terrible.
2: And, like, they were literally... Then the brutal Russian everything from Mother Russia philosophy kind of set in. Like, civilians were sent in as cannon fodder like to waste German ammo.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. Without
2: weapons. And, like, they were so rushed, tanks were built without gun sights. And, like, you literally take, you literally put the final touches on a tank, then hop in and drive out
0: yeah. to the battlefield.
2: And, like, they didn't have gun sights, so... No, it's... It,
0: uh, I, it, like, I chuckle at the irony of the fact that they stopped counting the bodies. Yeah. Like, because Russia was, is so, was so densely populated, and the, the Some, people suffered so much during yeah, that Yeah, something
2: like 20 million deaths of Russian people I'm like
1: And the battle itself.
2: Uh, the battle itself. So it it kind of really quickly went down into close combat, like literal fighting over the meter, over streets and blocks and it became known as Ratkrieg. Rattenkrieg or Rat War in German. Because like you would be fighting over floors of a building. Like you'd be shooting up through the floor like a Russian man above and you'd be like trying to get them to the death ground or the top of the building which is mentioned in Sun Tzu's the art of war as a place where it's either victory or death like it was just insane like how hard the Russians fought and how hard they made the Germans work for the slightest bit of like for a meter of pavement you know it was just insane mm. and so eventually they actually the Germans managed to force the Russians out of the city like they kind of they just pushed them all out or killed them all and but since the Russians held up so long it had become winter time so the volga had frozen over and russian troops from the south had flanked together and basically using the Volga created a full circle around Stalingrad like trapping something like 200,000 Germans inside the city and then the
1: siege of Stalingrad
2: (laughs) and yeah in a way but uh it didn't last that's the only thing Hitler ordered them to never surrender like never give up You'll, you'll die before you put those hands up but uh General Friedrich von Paulus, who was the commander of the troops in Stalingrad at the time, disobeyed Hitler and just said, look, we've had enough. We can't survive. It's surrender or death. And he led the Germans out. 91,000 out of 400,000 Germans survived, even though they had superior numbers, superior arms. Like, the Russians were literally using anti-aircraft guns to combat tanks. And... Like, they were using civilians... The the numbers... It was just insane. And...
0: They used, quite literally, anything they could use. They
2: threw everything at them. And, like, there were many reports of, like, Germans... Being forced back and eventually taking a building... That they previously thought had maybe 200 Russians in it... Just from the way it was being defended. But turns out it's, like, 40 Russians... Who haven't had ammo water or food in five days. It was just they gave everything and I think it's one of the biggest
0: And really they they gave everything just to like they didn't this the city was destroyed. Yeah. Like it wasn't
2: to defend the city it wasn't really to defend
0: it. Stalin just couldn't well Stalin just didn't want to accept the Germans in his land. Yeah. And he didn't really he didn't really care about his people. He cared about Russia itself. Yeah. <laughs> but in a way Russia triumphed
1: on that day.
2: They did triumph. It was a massive, massive victory because, I mean, many would see this as the downfall of Hitler.
1: Yeah, it was definitely the the Battle of
2: Stalingrad.
1: Definitely the turning point of the war.
2: The tide kind of turned, and then Russia started to push, and USA joined the war, and that all kind of happened around nineteen forty three, the end of the Battle of Stalingrad. It's
0: lucky because. By then, the only thing standing, th- like Britain, was basically the only ally left. Yeah. The only thing standing between an invasion was the English Channel. It
2: was perfect timing, like.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, I think that's. I think all that's time. all. We have to talk about the battle. Thanks for coming, son. No problem. Yep. Any Next up, um, before our final topic, we have "Eat Your
1: Young" by Hosier which is our new song of the day. So, for our final topic, we have a discussion, and it will be from my co-host Oshin.
0: Yeah, so today I'm going to be discussing philosophical topic of should corporal punishment from parent to child be justified or warranted or accepted? Now, I want to preface it that I don't mean when your kid takes a poo on their hand and throws it at the wall, That you beat them senseless until their organs come out from one side to the other. No. No. Well, maybe you should. We'll see. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Uh, and I do, I mean, before you, before, um, that we get into it, I mean, we know of several, I mean, a lot of psychologists, uh, that work with criminals put down, put a lot of their, like, violent tendencies down to, like abusive parents like they just yeah. get desensitized to violence because they're being hit all the time but i mean i think i i'm i'm interested in the topic because i think it's like all it's like all things like violent video games you know it doesn't necess- it isn't necessarily what turns them bad it's an over amount of it so i think i'm interested in the topic of like if it's controlled and actually done right would it be justified well, that's what I want to find out. So, uh, first of all, the obvious... the obvi- Like, it, it was used for many years. It's less accepted now, but it still happens. I mean, the obvious reason for it is to... A child to associate things that their guardian thinks is bad with pain. So they won't want to do it. And it sound- it sounds good. Like, if a child is, like, I don't know drawing talking
2: back to their parents it's
0: it's drawing like is drawing on the walls and their parent like gives them a slap on the wrist um yeah i mean i think i think i think it's fine personally but like obviously you know if 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 the kid if the kid comes downstairs and calls their dad um fat and then mm-hmm. the 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 dad gets up, smashes his beer bottle, and starts stabbing up the child. <laughs> um, but that's not really Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I mean, you know, I I would say that more bad co- probably comes from it because it's so hard to like actually say if you can moderate your violence to this. Yeah. <laughs> if you can moderate your violence to this lesser being, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, a lot
2: of like. A lot of bad people
0: I... I've come, like Hitler. Was yeah, Hit, Hitler, a lot of people put it down to that. His, his dad being an Aust- a proud... Um, all, uh, no, not associating with Germany. And whenever Hitler wanted to be a proud German, his dad's spanking him. <laughs> a lot of people put it down to... Uh, a lot of people put down his desensitization to violence to that. I don't think it's that alone, but it might be a contributing factor. Now, one thing
1: I must say is that... I feel like... I think... <laughs> When you're hurt by your parents, it might like in a hypothetical sense. If you're, let's just say, like hitting a wrist every time you do something like bad, but you might you might get to associate that your parents themselves with pain. Yeah. That these yeah. figures are here to hurt you, not help you, and that's why sometimes some that's why some it children needs to be some, yeah. some children are bad to the bone. Let Let's not lie, but then again. Hurting them is not always a right solution. Yeah, and it might if they start to associate the parents with pain,
0: they might start to resent their parents for hitting them. Yeah, I think the parent like a lot. Of the time it can come from you know the child goes up and starts like calling people racial slurs on Fortnite, and then the the mother comes and tries to help him, and then he starts calling his mom fat, and then his mom like gets angry and hits him. You know, like. I don't really, I don't really think anything, I think it's, I don't think, I think more bad will always come from it than good, I think you should try and help the child and like, you know, if if you can't, if you're not like, if you've, if you can't really raise the child in the way that you've raised it to become like as bad as it is, then you probably need to seek professional help, like a therapist or something like yeah. if you're hitting it nothing is going to happen especially like if you're hitting a bad child i think it's just going to do worse and that only stops it from doing these things in the home it's probably just going to resent you and resent where it lives you know it can yeah. still do these things outside whereas it, and there's no reason to be hitting a good child you know like i know if my pa- i know if my parents ever hit me i'd probably resent them a lot for it yeah yeah but one thing i'm going to say if
1: we were to move away from beating them. Some people, some parents would argue that like saying no to your child, and punishing them in any way is wrong. That you should always just explain to them what they did wrong. Never say nothing, to them, allow them live out their own mistakes. But I would say not punishing children
0: also is a bad approach. Yeah. No, I don't... I don't think... I think they lose the sense of accountability and... Definitely responsibility. definitely
2: needs for to be, like, a form of discipline.
0: But probably not corporal. Mm. Yeah. Now, one form...
1: of dis- discipline... that maybe... I don't think really works, but it's very popular, is the bowl step, or the bowl corner. Mm. An area... in the house where you're confined to... to think about your mistakes. But... Honestly, that's
2: nothing really.
1: Yeah, it, it does doesn't achieve anything. It just, it's just only there to exclude the child.
0: Yeah, I don't really think it does anything. Uh, oh. from like growing up and seeing other people just like children on the naughty step all i saw was these spoiled brats just crying and crying about being put on a step for five minutes <laughs> it was like, psychological though you know you're excluded taken out of society to be put on this step
2: <laughs> for five minutes
0: yeah i think honestly it might be in the most efficient way is just probably grounding the child until you get an apology but grounding them just like lock- just taking away the stuff that they like like I mean that's that's the way I, uh, like um I would probably do it hmm. because like you 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 basically you essentially force an apology out of them and you force them to think about what they did.
2: I think the uh, the massive problem with corporal punishment is that lots of parents would take it too far, be taking out their anger yeah. on the child, and like that's not that's not safe.
0: No. Uh, this, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I, think it's really hard to make a kid think about their mistakes, especially a young kid, because young kids don't really like think kids,
2: in general. No,
0: they, they, they don't really like they, they, they don't, they haven't really developed that far yet. And they don't really, they're basically you're know, like we all know this. Young children are some of the most selfish people because their brains haven't developed for yep. empathy properly. So it's really hard for them to think about their mistake. And like why they why they should apologize why they shouldn't do it again, but I feel I feel like if there's just a sense of having to apologize and isolation with hurting others or doing wrong, yeah. I think that's probably the best thing.
1: I now, f- one way I think I've seen in the field before, of maybe not punishing, but try to stop behavior is explaining to them why it's wrong, and why why it's not allowed, not that they're trying to spoil your fun not that not that it's just, not not that they want to stop fun, but that there's a reason why this thing shouldn't be done and one time, I actually remember this working, was I was walking with my dog and I was walking through this field where some, I think there was a GEA practice for Gaelic football and I noticed, I quietly to the side a uh, father was talking to his son And, okay, I'll just say what I heard, but the father says, just because he's a different color doesn't mean he's any different. You shouldn't call him names. So, uh, I think we can assume what happened here, but I kind of watched the child, but the child said, okay, and asked a few questions, and he went back to what he was doing. And, I mean, that seemed pretty effective to me. And what
0: do you guys think of that example? Yeah, I mean... Be, being caring with your child i mean it does associate i think if my if if, uh, if a parent explains me as a child like um you know what what you did was wrong well i think if a parent does that hypothetically you know that that ch- that child may associate the the parents with caringness you know the punishment, they're not like doing any harsh punishment to them and therefore they're probably going to associate them with wisdom and like because they love them like you know, if, if if you're if you're approaching it angrily, like you're doing this, this is so bad. The child might resent you because they think they're you're just getting in their way. Yeah. Whereas if you if they if you kind of learn for them to love and respect you, they're probably going to take your advice unconditionally. You know. Yeah. So I think, I think there's Yeah, I think the best solution would be that or just grounding them simply. Yeah.
2: I think. um What would also work as a punishment? I don't think it should be the parents themselves that dole out the punishment. Like if there was some sort of some sort of way I think the perfect way to punish would be like a small electric shock or something. (laughs) No, like a really small one. Like, you know the way it it wouldn't hurt you well it would hurt you but not much. (laughs) I am... I am a dog person, but that's not what I mean. Like, it means that the parents don't have to administer punishment like that. There's a set standard for, like, how much pain your child should feel if they do do something wrong.
0: Yeah, what if we we put the children in the kennels outside? (laughs) I I think, overall, we've come to the conclusion that... If the child annoys you a little too much, gets a little too devious, pick up your bottle and beat them senseless. (laughs) No, but in all all seriousness, I I think moderation moderation is good, but overall, more bad is is at risk to come than good from
1: corporate punishment. This is the Timeless Lore podcast. We hope you enjoyed. we, We will see you next week. And
0: remember, the clock is burning. Because it's time for Timeless Lore. We'll see you in the next episode.